Welcome to Digitally Creative. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me this week is someone whose work I guarantee you've seen, but whose face you may not have seen. This week, I have the pleasure of talking to the one and only Mark Adams. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Just a little bit of recovery from the, uh, the camp, so... From the festivities. <laughs> I was I was telling people, I was telling people, I think I actually told you too, that, you know, I, you were like one of my bucket list things for, for Maker Camp. Like I had a couple of things I wanted to do and people I wanted to meet. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be a Maker Camp, like I have to get one of the signature portraits of Maker Camp. And apparently a lot of people get the signature portrait from Maker Camp because your line was consistently the longest line of any of the lines for anything that was a line for the entire weekend. It's incredible. It's uh, it's changed quite. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's uh, I'm very thankful and it's a, it's a blessing. Um, and it, but it, it's changed a little bit from the, the first Maker Camp when I was pulling people off the, uh, they were walking by and I'd kind of pull them in and like, Hey, you want your picture? And they, Kind of give me this weird look. Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> you had to actually ask this. Well, yeah, because the first year, um, I think, like you know, one of the one of the first people I grabbed was uh, Joshua Prince, and he was walking by. And uh, you know, if you if you've met Joshua, he's you know a li- seems a little quiet, um, but you know, he's just such a amazing, fabulous maker, and. Um, so, you know, I reached out and I was like, hey, you know, you know, come on in, get your picture taken. And, you know, I kind of get this blank look like, what do, what do you mean get your picture taken? Like, because it, it hadn't really built up any momentum at that point. I'd shot a couple of events but uh, and people had seen them, but didn't really, it wasn't really publicized what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't really have a sign. And so, uh, you know, people were just, they didn't really know what was going on. So I was kind of, you know, running out into the field and grabbing some people. And, and then, you know, by the end of the night, you know, people will, will kind of come in, but um unless you uh unless i grabbed you the first year or two it was it was kind of kind of a little uh it was a very short line the first year for sure and then and so this year this year i did notice that i think everyone that went at some point got on your line and got a picture taken and i was we were saying i think we were saying beforehand that like you know it comes around this time of the year it's just everyone has a mark adams picture as their profile picture for at least a few months right while we wait for i feel like i want to uh every time uh when i pull up instagram if i get all the uh, stories on the top then it's kind of like winning a slot machine (laughs) has it is it surprising to you that people appreciate i mean i i'm not this this is going to come out weird of course but it, does it surprise you that people love your stuff this much because i do you know when people start when you become a destination at an event like this right you expect yeah. to be there you expect to be doing a thing and you expect to have a good time people are going to come and you know get their picture taken but people genuinely love your work does it surprise you just how much of a fixture you're becoming at these events now uh it it definitely uh, it's definitely unexpected for sure. Uh, I mean, I love, I really love being, um, able to meet you know, anybody, anybody who comes to get a portrait that gives me a chance to meet him and have a conversation with him. And I, and I try it as you, as you experienced, you know, I try mm-hmm. to give everybody the same amount of attention and, and time and get a picture that they really want. So, yeah, um, you, I loved watching you work with people. Cause there were a couple things that I noticed as you were going through your process with everybody. First of all, you don't rush anyone. Like some people were just up there longer and you work with them and you want to get their best angle. Like even with me, the way you kind of position me just in the right way, you know, you didn't just go, okay, this is the picture. 
you're like, no, you have glasses on. So let's put you over here. Let's move you over here. We'll move the light a little bit so that like you really, I don't know, man, I've never had my picture professionally taken. And so, people who have gone to these events have not had that happen since they were in like high school senior portraits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was um, why it was wild to have that level of attention paid and know that, you know, you don't charge for this. You're doing this because you love it and you appreciate it and you have your, you know, you're at the event and you're doing the thing that you do at the event. Right. And it's it it was an amazing feeling just watching having it happen to me and watching you work with other people and seeing you know, seeing the captures you got, like I saw some of the pictures taken. I'm like, that's going to be a great picture. And then I see it on Instagram. I'm like, yep, that was a great picture. Like you yeah. capture, you get people to loosen up so quickly. It's amazing to watch. It's uh, I mean, it's, it really, it's a, <clears throat> I keep saying the word blessing, but it really is um, like the greatest gift that I, that I'm able to give is also the one that I also get back because I get to see that moment when somebody sees kind of their first professional picture that they've seen as an adult and that mm -hmm. if they really respond to it and it feels natural and it feels like them and they're proud of it. Then it, I mean, it's just so it makes my heart just like, you know, stop for a minute. Well, well each person kind of really appreciates being seen. And that's kind of what, what my, my driving factor is just to hope everybody's as proud of how they look and how they come across them. It, it, it's an amazing feeling. Like you feel like for a little while, just a little while in that portion of the day, you feel like a celebrity. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> do you so how did you I, I imagine it's probably a long journey so how did you get started with photography when did it start for you and how did it evolve we'll get we'll go there first like how did because everyone everyone that's into photography in one way or another whether personally professionally they all have a story of how they fell in love with it so how did you fall in love with photography and where did it begin for you um i mean i think as a kid, I was always, you know, my brother and I were all, you know, we, we enjoyed art. Our parents, you know, really uh, allowed us to, you know, to play as kids with, you know, paper and pens and um, clay and, and whatever we wanted to, to make. And then um, my brother actually took a photography class. Uh, I have a twin brother, Kevin. So not not a lot of people know that, but, you know, yes, I'm a twin. Wow. Um, and so he uh, he actually took a photography class in uh, in junior high school, and I ended up waiting until my freshman year of high school to take uh, take photography. And you know, it kind of uh, it just it just clicked something something about it really appealed to me, and I really enjoyed both the technical aspect of it and just kind of the what it allowed you to kind of document. Because I really started uh, liking photojournalism. That was really one of the things that I looked at quite a bit, you know, in high school and you, know, you kind of look at fashion, but it doesn't really, um, I mean, it's, it's really pretty and it's beautiful, but it doesn't, um, it wouldn't, it wasn't driving me to create that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. I love the technical aspect of that. Um, and then, uh, I went to, uh, I went to a couple of different schools. I went to, you know, college for international studies in Japanese and went overseas, uh, lived in Japan for a year. And then I oh, came wow. back and, <laughs> um, but I, you know, then I had to work for three years, you know, I was working for three years for, you know, two jobs a day, just, you know, crazy, crazy hours just to save up money. Cause I wanted to go to this, uh, school in Pasadena called Art Center College of Design. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, they started out as a trade school and, you know, they're very well respected, um, in quite a few different fields of, you know, industrial design, product design, uh, character design for the entertainment industry, uh, 
uh, graphic design and uh, photography. And so I went down to Pasadena and, you know, I, I studied there until my money ran out and then I just started working. So. And did you, did you, where did you end up working after that? Did you go into something, photo, something photography yeah, yeah. related or? Yeah. And I started assisting uh, for various different okay. photographers um, just around LA. Um, and I kind of started doing a bunch of product stuff. So most of my professional career has really been, you know, product or uh, architecture, uh, some advertising. Um, but really just that was kind of unexpected because I always responded originally to portraiture and, and to people. And But I just kept getting hired for product stuff um, and then did that for, I don't know, I mean, 15, 16, 17 years, something like that. Oh, wow. Um, and then uh, in 2000, I always get the dates always confused, but I think it was 2017. Uh-huh. Um, I, I decided I wanted to leave California and uh, hopped on a motorcycle and rode it for four or five months, camped across America and uh, found Cleveland. So that that's kind of wild. So did, did you just, I imagine if that was me, if that was me and I was taking a motorcycle cross country, a lot of, there would be a lot of scenery shooting on the way and stopping right. and noticing. And like, like you said, it took you four to five, did you say yeah, four, to four, five? Yeah, yeah, four to five months. I was just kind of, okay. um, I'd originally planned in my, in my brain, I, cause I had to have a destination to get to, um, to do the journey. And then it kind of started with, with meeting a couple of people riding motorcycles out in the middle of uh, Oregon. And they were riding this thing called the Transamerica Trail. Um, the TAT is how it's called. And um, they were telling me about how it starts, you know, kind of at the Atlantic and goes to the Pacific and it's mostly off-road. There's some like transit transitory roads on the highway, but most of it's off-road forest roads, you know, farm roads, back roads. Um, and that really appealed to me, but I had to get, from the west coast to the east coast because you generally ride it east to west because you have to get through the passes in Colorado after the snows have melted. So if you go right. the other direction, you kind of get the early snow. So um, I decided to ride Route 66. Um, and so I was intending to do a certain amount of miles each day, but it just kind of it, – it, I wasn't getting out of it what I wanted to get out of it emotionally. Um, cause mm -hmm. if, you, if you just do miles, you're just kind of passing by everything. And so sure, sure. Uh, I kind of changed my, uh, like maybe a week into the trip, I kind of changed my mindset to just kind of each day I wanted to experience whatever I experienced. And I wanted to have moments that kind of solidified that place for me. And mm -hmm. until I had that moment, I would just kind of, I'd be riding as many miles as I wanted to ride. It could be 10 miles. It could be 600 miles, but and when I had that moment, I knew that I could leave that place, uh, whether it was a great conversation with somebody or a great meal or, you know, just visiting a great shop or, you know, whatever made that day really feel like, you know, I'd been present in that moment. So, well, you, you um, went from really kind of you to do. Yeah, you went from logging, you went from logging distance to logging experiences. So you ended up, yeah. you ended up having just, you probably just had a wild string. I mean, I'm not wild like crazy drinking parties although i imagine there were probably at least a couple of those too but you know oh, just yeah. <laughs> so i can't uh, i can't have any drinking parties if i don't drink so um no it was just, it was just me and so it was really kind of being uh, introspective and kind of 
trying to find what I wanted to find because I was I was also looking to leave California, and so I was kind of exploring America and where what else it had to offer. So, and you're looking um, to see you're trying to find a place to fit in. Did you you had a direction, but did you have a destination or just a direction? Well, because so like when I was gonna originally gonna ride the Route 66, I went down to Santa Monica and then was riding. Route 66 or like kind of off of it, 20 miles or 30 miles or whatever, whatever road I felt like riding. And so mm-hmm. that would have put me finishing in Chicago. And then I wanted to ride up to like Newfoundland and Nova Scotia and Montreal, but I had to go through um, Cleveland because I wanted to change my clutch out before I got up there. And um, so I, I just, cause I, <clears throat> I knew that my clutch was slipping a little bit and I didn't want to get in the middle of Canada and, and not, uh, and have a slipping clutch. So. Uh, I ordered some parts and I was having it shipped to a community um, motorcycle garage that's there called Skidmark Garage. Um, and because they rent by the either you can rent time by the hour or by the month or by the year. And so it's like it's a membership community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've got workstations and tools and uh, everybody helps everybody. And uh, but I couldn't get the parts for like 10 days because they were coming from Germany. And so then I just rode all around Ohio, just camping and just kind of exploring Ohio. And then I came back to, to Skidmark and, you know, hung out there for, I mean, I could have changed it out in, you know, a couple of days pretty easily. Um, but I ended up spending, you know, a couple of weeks there just hanging out and going to have dinner with people and just finding out that Cleveland was really such an amazing place. So it's, I think it's a very underrated place. You know, it's, it's one of the places that, ends up the butt of a lot of jokes, but I just don't think it gets a fair shake. I, I, I learned, I learned a lot about Ohio this past year in general. And it's like, no, the people are just awesome in Ohio. Like in general, the people are awesome. Just the ones I met and I didn't meet a whole ton, but it felt, it felt like a nice place. Like I could see where if I was looking for a place and I didn't have a place in mind, I'd be like, yeah, I could stay here. This is good. <laughs> it's comfy. Well, cause when I, when I arrived there, um, Skidmark is in this building um, on on um, on Hamilton that has you know they had uh, I mean it was it was a big building and there were some businesses that had kind of started to fill it out it was kind of you know a manufacturing building but they were breaking it up into smaller spaces mm-hmm. and so there was uh, Skidmark which is the community motorcycle garage on the first floor and then on the second floor there was Soulcraft Woodshop that was a community woodshop space. So they would teach, you know, classes and workshops and um, they would do bring in like high school student classes to teach woodshops. And so they were on the second floor and then down the building a little bit was um, RBX Cleveland, which does uh, architectural salvage. And okay. so everybody there kind of had a really community involved relationship of wanting to give back and then also create a, a sense of family in the spaces. And, you know, when you meet a whole building that's like that. It just feels, you know, easy to, to get, uh, you know, to have wonderful experiences meeting a ton of people. So you're there, you're there with the mindset of, I got to get my bike fixed and then I'm going to figure yeah. it out from there. When do you make the decision that, yeah, this is my place. I think I'm just going to stay here. Like how long does it take? And what was um, that transition like? Well, I actually, I, I left after I finished my clutch and I was riding up a road through Toronto and Montreal. And um, there's a, they had told me when I was there that, that I should stay, but I kept thinking I had to leave. And um, there's this uh, Fuel Cleveland, which is a custom built invitation motorcycle show with like 100 to 200 motorcycles. Each mm-hmm. year it gets bigger and bigger. Mikey from, uh, from Lobau, uh, he's uh, 
you know, the, the organizing factor that, and does an amazing job. And, um, but I had never seen it. And so I didn't know how big it was. And I was up in Montreal and I kept thinking of this great group of people that I've really had a great time with. And they said that I should see it. And so like an idiot, I turned my bike around and I rode back down through Vermont and Pennsylvania and New York to get back to Cleveland for this show. And so I come pulling in on the morning of the show with my bike, you know, and my bike is packed to travel cross country. So it's just, there's way too much stuff on it. And uh, so I just come riding in and they're just like, oh, you're back. And I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> kind of at that moment, then I kind of, uh, kind of stayed there. And then I, I kept, I would fly back to California for work. Um, and I just like, cause I kept wanting to finish my trip. And mm-hmm. I just realized like, you know, I'm not, I'm just, I should just move my stuff out here. Cause this is where I want to be. So. Wow. And there you've been. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. It's, it's kind of like you, I think that's kind of how you find home, right? When you feel like you're returning someplace rather than visiting it. Like that, that's right. kind of a, it's kind of poetic almost. I love it. So you're, you settle down, you settle down in Cleveland and uh-huh. you, st- yeah. I imagine you have to start looking for, you have to start looking for photography work. Now, for, you'll, luckily Cleveland does have, you know, an arts community that's actually pretty good. Um, right. Yeah. How was how was finding work there, and where did you end up there after you decided you were going to um, stay? Well, well, because I'm kind of since I'm the new guy in town, um, which is actually one of the reasons why you know I've kind of developed the way I have. Because um, I knew that I really didn't want to do product, but that's all I had done. So I've got a plenty of work that I can show that says I can do product. Um, but I really wanted to do more portraiture. Mm-hmm. Um, and just since I had the skill set, I would just kind of set up uh, seamless to do portraits of the Skidmark members in Skidmark. If they would have a party or something, I'd be like, oh, you know, this is something nice to do. And, you know, it'll give me some some portraiture to show people. And um, so I would just have something set up and people would come in and they'd be walking by and I just grab them and say, hey, you know, and then I email the picture. Same thing I do now. Um, and <clears throat> one of the events because I was renting space. There's a space upstairs in, in uh, the building that has an architecture office called AO. And so I rent desk space out of there and they were having a big, um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the thing it is, but they, they have various different speakers like once a month around Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And so there were going to be like 150 people were going to show up and, and listen to the speaker and have this event. So I was like, Hey, why don't I just set up a portrait thing and I'll set it up. And uh, everybody that comes in will get a free portrait, and that way I can pass my name along, and you know they'll have my email and contact. And if they need headshots or any kind of portraiture, then at least I've introduced myself personally, and they know who I am. Sure. And um, so I did that, and uh, that was in the back of Soulcraft, and the Soulcraft guys were just like, you know, you just leave it up. You know, we don't we're not using that space right now, so leave it up as long as you want. Nice. And like a couple weeks, a couple weeks later, um, Lincoln Electric had brought you know Jimmy and a bunch of other makers. Um, to Cleveland. And I, you know, I hadn't heard of them at this point. Um, I was just, you know, my set was there and I was downstairs working on my motorcycle and Lincoln um, has been a supporter of Skidmark and, and um, they had brought the makers there to have kind of like a wrap dinner or something like that. And so they were bringing in food and these, I see these people walking around that I don't know. And I'm like, well, you guys look kind of cool. You guys want to want a headshot or a portrait or something. And, and I think, I, I can't remember who was the first one I asked, but, um, you know, I, I pulled them upstairs and took some shots and then, uh, you know, went back to working on my motorcycle and, um, a couple other makers come up and they're like, Hey, are you like 
guy who does the pictures, can, can we get a couple of those? And so like, you know, half an hour later, everyone's up there drinking beers, getting, you know, headshots and uh, getting portraits and everybody wanted to get a picture with Jimmy. And I'm like, you know, and I'm like, who's this Jimmy guy? Because it, it, it was my world. And so um, after like the fifth or sixth person who gets that, I'm like, all right, so I'm emailing pictures. I'm like, let me see who this Jimmy is. So I, I you know, I Google him and obviously he pops up. And uh, so that was kind of my introduction to the maker community because you know, as you as you experience, I, I really do try to treat every single person who comes in front of my camera exactly the same. You know, I don't care if you're famous, if you're rich, if you're poor. I don't. I absolutely don't care. As long mm -hmm. as you're there, I want you to get the picture that you want to feel proud by. So, um, so I just you know did that picture, and then the next year Lincoln um, had me shoot uh, portraits at their spring make, um, and then after that. Uh, probably, I don't know, four or six months, something like that, maybe eight months. Uh, Patrick and Jimmy contacted me about coming up to this thing that they were putting together with Austin. Um, but they didn't know if I wanted to come up and take some portraits. They enjoyed it. So they want, didn't know if that would be something I'd be interested in. So um, so yeah, they said, you know, it's upstate New York in October. Like, you know, what's the worst it can be? It's going to be beautiful. So, right. uh, so that was just, you know, I showed up and Austin put me uh, pretty close to where I'm at now. Um, it's a little bit of a wind tunnel, but it, it really forced me to, to limit the amount of gear that I use, which really forced me to actually be more mindful and present and not, uh, you know, it, it really, that location has just, you know, really given me so much by just making me not kind of be showy with the lighting and, and, you know, do it, make it look too good. Mm -hmm. Um, and really to focus more on the emotional side and connecting with people and, and that's really what I've really tried to do this last couple of years. So it's one of the things that's striking about your photography, you know, as someone, and I'm not even trying to say I'm, a, I feel stupid saying I'm a photographer in the room with you, but I love, I love photography. I've loved photography since I understood how to use a DSLR. And one of the things that I appreciate so much about your work is how defined your style is. Like if I put, if I took a photo and worked on it for days, I could maybe get the look that you get. And what people don't know that have not had their picture taken by you, I had my pictures from you, I'm pretty sure the same day you took them. Yeah, you know, if I can, wild. I try to send them, and before you're walking away from the set, I have you type your email, and I try to send the, the select right there, because I don't want to have to manage it later, and I want everybody sure. to have it as soon as they as they can get it because then they can post it and they can show people and, you know, it becomes a communal thing. And that's really been the best part is just kind of the community interaction with the posting of the pictures and making comments and telling, you know, saying how they love meeting somebody or how this person really inspired them. And um, it, it, that's been the, you know, the really, the surprising part has been how much that's been part of the conversation. Yeah. And the, the ability that you have to, to nail the moment, and to get a picture that is pretty much perfect out of camera and then get it to the person who took it. And it's like, I get to have that experience. Like I'm not waiting to have that experience. I get, if my phone had service, I would have had it on, on the spot. You know, I got it when I got to a rest stop on the way home. Yeah, a lot of people will say, you know, cause it is kind of a little bit of a dead zone in there, but yeah, like, it's, it's I got it at midnight or I got it when I woke up yeah. in the morning. But I do try to see it as soon as possible this year since as you saw, I had I had more lines than I've had in the past. I got a little bit backed up, and so I was actually spending a couple of days after I got back uh, from Maker Camp 
going through all the files and checking everybody's emails that had been typed and sending them off. And then, uh, you know, a few people contacted me that I had missed a couple of pictures. So I encourage anybody who got a picture but feels like they didn't get all of them, <laughs> you know, contact me on Instagram and I'll, and I'll do my best to review anything that, that you think I might have missed. Something that's readily apparent when, when I watched, was watching you interact with people is that, you know, a lot of, I I do know a lot of photographers and I have seen a lot of photographers do sessions similar to what you're doing, even on a smaller scale. And they look, they don't look as happy. And one thing I noticed is, you know, you had a smile on your face most of the time. You were, you were yeah. very, you were very kind to everyone. You were very warm to everyone. I mean, even when you told me when I didn't know that there was a line and I was standing <laughs> there, you're like, that was the greatest moment. I stand on the side. I'm like, okay, um, where do you're like, yeah, um, those guys over there are waiting. And I look and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And you're like, no, it's fine. Just that's, they're already waiting. I'm like, okay, okay. Sorry. Sorry. And th- what, what you didn't see, by the way, is I got on the line right after I spoke to you and then somebody walked by. I'm like, got to talk to him. Got to get online. So I got off the line right. and I was like, well, I don't want to be an ass and jump the line. So I got back <laughs> on the line at the end. That's why when you came out, you're like, how are you still online? I'm like, right. don't even worry about it. <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like everybody, at least, you know, and I think that event is so great because everybody's, a lot of times they're just hanging out and they're, you know, mm-hmm. telling stories and stuff. And it really is an opportunity, thankfully, for people to kind of take that time and just hang out together while they're waiting to get a picture. So mm-hmm. it's not like they're, you know, you're not rushed to get somewhere else, in, sure. especially in the evening, because it's like you're just you'd be hanging out by the fire or be getting a picture or whatever. And so it feels like the energy is really relaxed and nobody kind of is, oh, you cut in front of me or you know, there's there's none of that energy. It just feels like everybody is there for the same reason. So you do spring make, you do maker camp the first year of maker camp. And yeah. when does it start becoming like, holy crap? it's Mark Adams. Like where, how, how do we get a picture with this guy? Like where, where, where does, where's he going to be? Or, you know, does the set is maker camp, the second year of maker camp, does that when it starts popping off? Um, I mean, the second year maker camp gets a little bit, well, I mean, the I mean, second people start like to COVID, wasn't it? What's that? Was the second year COVID um, with maker? Yeah. Camp the or? second year was pre COVID, I think. Okay. Yeah, because I think the third year was the one that was delayed, right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, okay. And so I think even the second year, people were, you know, they, because I, I remember that, because um, I was at the milk run, you know, because I, of course you, know, you are. Breakfast and, <laughs> what and, else would you and, be doing? Uh, yeah, because, you know, because I got there like a day early and they weren't serving breakfast yet. And so I, you know, I knew that uh, Jimmy had said stop by the milk run and everyone will get breakfast. And so, um, so I was having breakfast with a bunch of makers and everybody, you know, you're, you're arriving after traveling and you're tired and you're kind of quiet. And, um, so, you know, I was, you know, sharing it where there was probably, I don't know, 10, 15 makers there that, you know, everyone is just kind of always dressed in their black car heart and, um, kind of invaded the milk run a little bit. Black car hearts, lots and, uh, of flannel, well, everything you expect. Of, yeah. <laughs> every, every, some evenings it was cold. I mean, I wanted, I actually needed a few more layers because it, it got cold. <laughs> um, but like even then, like because nobody sees my face, so nobody knows really who I am. I'm just, you know, and I like being anonymous because it's not really, you know, I don't want to be famous at all. Um, but 
you know, I'd set up my stuff and I, you know, I saw the guy that was sitting next to me at, at, at the milk run standing by his truck. And I was like, Hey, you know, why don't you come over and get your picture taken? And he's, you know, gives me this kind of like, you know, gruff face and like, no. And, you know, I'm like, all right, okay. You know, and you know, he was had some tools for sale. And then, uh, later he shows up with the modern forge guys and it's Chris catch as everybody knows Chris catch, you know, he's always mm-hmm. you know smiling and, and gregarious. But that morning he was, you know, a little tired. I don't think caffeine hadn't quite kicked in yet. Um, <laughs> he wasn't really looking to get a picture. And the modern forge guys come over and, um, you know, they get a group shot, but then they start walking away. And it's like, you know, hey, you guys, you know, come back and get some singles on this. You know, try and get some, you know, some headshots. And mm-hmm. I mean, those guys. I mean, how could you take a bad picture of those guys? They've got like the perfect smudge of like coal dust on their face, and um, you know. The, they're all black clothes and, you know, black hats and everything. So it really pops from the background. And, um, you know, Jesse Savage got a great shot that first year. You know, I was, you know, one of my favorites from that year. Chris Cash got like one or two shots in, had this big, huge smile and laugh on his face. And again, one of my top five from that year. Um, and people started, you know, from that first thing started coming in and having more fun with it and just, kind of showing up and, but I still get people that would come walking in and they'd be like, you know, my friend said I should get a picture, you know, <laughs> what do I do? And because, you know, it's not a normal thing. It's not a normal thing for people to get pictures. Sure. Um, and, and I really, I, you know, I really understand that because I like to be behind the camera. I don't, you know, I have no desire to get in front of the camera. Um, and so I know it's an uncomfortable thing for people to do and it's fun. You know, you need to, have I mean I I I always say this and I try to say this to, you know because it's true it's not because it's a line but it's you know I'm just having a conversation with you and I just get to take a couple of pictures because each person it's the opportunity to to get insight into their life that I don't live that I you know that I'm not from where they're at or I don't do what they do and um, it's just a great opportunity to be able to actually talk to people and, and learn a little bit more about them. Well, what's, what struck me, you know, I'm just talking from my own experience. What struck me was you, I think you overheard me talking about using your picture on one of my dating profiles. And right, right, I sat yeah. down on the stool and you're like, so you're going to use this on your dating profiles? I'm like, oh yeah. I said, and my podcast and my website. And you're like, all right, cool. So, and you, it was like a, a switch flipped in your head and uh-huh. you went from like, you went from like me standing there shot to, no, you know what? Let's do more of like a, like a sitting and you brought the stool over and you set me up like, and it was more, and I love the pictures you got of me. I really did. And okay. it was, but it was like, you understood. You just, I mean, obviously you're a photographer, you will understand, but it just, it was so cool to just be understood without having to go. Yeah. You know, I was looking for something out. Like, no, you, you knew what I wanted to do with the pictures and you gave me pictures that work in those contexts. And it was just, like I said before, it's such a wild feeling for people that have never had this done. And I'm sure there are people who are, you know, on the receiving end of a beautiful shot all the time. I take a lot of photos, but I'm never on the other side of the camera, like rarely, except a selfie. And those are usually trash just by their nature. They're trash. But man, it was just such a I'm glad I put it on my bucket list because normally I would shy away from doing something like that. But the opportunity wow. to have one of these pictures that I've seen everyone have, and I'm like, oh, I want to be in one of those. <laughs> I really want right. to be in one of those. I mean, it is really like when people come up to the set and they're like, oh, I've been you know, seeing your stuff for a couple of years. And, um, and now they're like, hey, I want to get my picture. And I'm like, 
well, I hope this works out for you because you know, <laughs> there's no expectation. And so everybody would just get, you know, they, it was a new experience for everybody. There was no preconceived notion about what it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think some of that, some of the expectations have, have pushed me to, you know, do a little bit more. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's in a weird, like I, I had a couple of really great conversations over this maker camp specifically. Um that really kind of clarified the the way that I'm working in this particular context or how I'm connecting with people or the kind of my motivations about what I want out of the pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're just doing something, you're not really thinking about it, but then when you have to actually talk about it, it gives you a context to kind of analyze it and put it into words and kind of sure. narrow it down and, and make it a, a solid kind of a concept. Um, and uh, so I was having, you know, one conver- one of the conversations I was having was, you know, you know, Jimmy's Kitchen is like a gathering place. You know, it seems mm-hmm. like every, every year it's um, a, such a great place. And I mean, everybody who's, you know, you know, you know, Jimmy, you've talked to Jimmy and everybody who meets Jimmy. I mean, they all have the same response. Like he's just such a generous, kind person. And, and I think that's can just never be overstated. I'm sure, I'm sure he gets tired of being told how, how amazing he is, but uh, he hates every, he hates literally every second of it. It's the most, it's the funniest thing. And he, he is one of those guys. He's just so humble that when you, when you say stuff like that to him, he gets genuinely uncomfortable about it. And it's, it's, it's obvious when you talk to him, it's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, I mean, I I mean, I I really understand that too. Cause I, I mean, I don't necessarily, you know, I, I don't really take the compliments as, I mean, it's, I think, I think compliments and criticism are the same mm-hmm. measure. Um, you know, both may be valid and both may be completely invalid, but um, sometimes a compliment is, you know, it's, it's kind of, it, it's sometimes they're really appreciated when they're coming from the right place or someone really gets you. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple of those during conversations this year that I, I really felt um, allowed me to kind of, take that compliment and see what was behind it and see the reaction to the work that I'm doing and also make me kind of push me further. Cause I, then I felt like I could go further than I've been going mm-hmm. um, because each year I want to make it a little bit different, whether it's just a little bit lighting difference or whether it's, you know, just a level of interaction with the people a little bit differently. And that's what I was really pushing this year is I really wanted um just, I really wanted to just really connect with each person that was sitting there. Um, yeah. And so in one I watched com- it happen. So I could tell you did a good job. I was literally watching it going, how does he do that? Like I, I have to like, you know, I prep for this show and it's like a conversation, you know, I don't take notes. I have nothing in me. My hands are right here. There's nothing, you know, hands up, hands up, but it's, I don't, I don't do that. And I know how hard it is to do that when you're preparing for one person for a chat. Like you're, you're kind of like, you got to kind of pluck out like the angle that we're going to have a little bit of, you know, just to like an icebreaker and how we're going to chat with somebody and, you know, keep them at ease and make them, you know, make them relax a little bit. Because if you take a tense photo, it's super obvious, maybe not in the moment, but afterwards and you're reviewing them, you have to do all this over and over and over and over. I'd be freaking out. Not even well. Lie. I mean, I think. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, one of the things that I always kind of enjoy 
because I'm, you know, I'm very much the same as the person who's sitting in front of me, mm-hmm. you know, so I understand how uncomfortable that is. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of times when people would stand in the stand in front of it. And I would just be like, look, are you socially awkward? Do you have imposter syndrome? You know, what kind you know, I'm sure you're dealing with some childhood trauma. You know, look around. 20 people at maker camp just raised their hand and went, of course I do. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, we all do. And, and, and just acknowledging that and people are like, Oh shit. Like, Oh, this is going to be real. Because <laughs> why, you know, I don't want to make small talk about the weather. So like there are plenty of people that I had conversations with, mm-hmm. you know, and it's nice when I don't have a line because I can really spend more time getting to know somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really an amazing thing. And so in, in Jimmy's kitchen, I was able to talk to Joan um, and she's, you know, just such an amazing person. And it, it tends to always go like this kind of a conversation when I'm, you know, when I'm in Jimmy's kitchen and we're, and I'm talking to somebody, you know, inevitably a couple minutes down the road, Jimmy would be like, he's the guy that takes the black and white pictures. And then that puts a context on it. Um, because you know, nobody knows my face and I'm not real. I don't, you know, I'm really much more interested in listening to what someone else can tell me about their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it takes a, probably a little while for people to actually find out what I do, um, but you know I had a you know I had a great conversation with Joan the you know at Jimmy's Kitchen and then we got you know just an amazing picture of her the next day and I feel like being able to have that time and talk to her was you know allowed her to be you know more relaxed more comfortable um, and you know her daughter really loves the picture and and she's ultimately you know. I think she's learning to love it because, you know, we all see a picture of ourselves, and we sometimes we either immediately love it and we think that it looks exactly like who we think we'd look like. Um, or we takes us a little bit of time to get, to get used to it. And sometimes oh, yeah. if it's a different angle than you're used to seeing, you know, because we only look in the mirror, we're not really doing other stuff. So, you know, it's um, funny. You literally just said what was on my mind when I looked at my pictures, because you took a couple of pictures of me. And then as you were finishing up with me, Jimmy stepped into frame to take a couple of pictures with me. And the picture I liked the best from the whole session was the one of Jimmy and I, like the, the one that he, he put on his and I put, I love that picture. Like I showed it to my yeah. ex-wife and she's like, Oh, you absolutely have to put that in a frame. And she goes, and none of that bullshit buying one, you have to make a frame for that. Like that has to be on your wall somewhere. It's an amazing picture. And it was just such a, <clears throat> it was such a moment because the ones you took of me that, you know, the, the single shots of me, I'm definitely happy with. Don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yeah. I'm most happy of the picture with me and Jimmy. Cause I think I just look the best in it, you know, cause well, it gives you something to do and you're relaxed. Like you're, you're no longer focused on me taking your picture. So I, I feel like a lot of people get a great shot in the group. The group um, shots are incredible. They're incredible. Yeah. All of them. That's yeah. something that I loved about watching everybody. You know, these, what like I'm behind 12 people. And then suddenly I'm next because all 12 of them are cramming onto your stage to get a picture taken. Yeah. Right, right. And so, I feel like because sometimes if you do the group picture first, it allows people to relax and they can get their portrait done next and be, be kind of more relaxed and kind of the, that group energy kind of carries over. So sometimes mm-hmm. that's real nice. It's interesting you said you were into portraiture and, you know, photojournalism was a thing for you because I feel like your style kind of straddles that interesting newsy look along with portraiture. I think it's, it might just be the black and white thing, but it's not just that it's black and white. It's also the way you pull texture out and the way you 
the way your shadows come out. And I know you're not editing every photo on the fly, so I know you're set up that way to get those photos. But there's a unique I, I, the word texture just keeps coming to mind, so I'm just going to run with it. There's a unique texture to your photos that it doesn't seem like other people capture as well as you do. I've seen it um, <laughs> mostly in like people that do like handheld street photography. You know, you always see those gritty pictures of like homeless people where they're really yeah. uptight on them, and like every every little hair on their beard is visible, and all the little imperfections in what they're wearing are visible. And you managed to take something like that, which is usually gritty and almost ominous and dark, and you turn it into something where it's just, you know, visually it's as dark, but because the person is, you know, in a, in a better place, they're happy, they're happy, they want to be there, they're taking a good picture. It's a whole different thing. You've managed to turn like a gritty, almost noir style photo into like a portrait that everyone is just clamoring to get. It's kind of wild how your style managed to straddle all these different things. I mean, it definitely, um, you know, once when I took my motorcycle trip and I kind of got my, I was kind of, I was really burned out. And so uh, I kind of turned my, my brain to a point where I'd be like, you know, I'm just going to say yes to whatever happens. And I'm not, you know, I'm just going to go with the flow. And so, you know, just taking those, you know, random pictures in Cleveland and then, you know, Jimmy and Patrick asked me if I wanted to come up there. Um, I just feel like as long as you're available and you can, you know, just say yes to whatever Mike, you know, did I know what was going to happen? I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, but it really has turned out to that my particular aesthetic has really worked with this group. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, it, it was really, really a great kind of synchronicity of what, what was going on. Have, have you always, have you always done the shoots the way you're doing them now? Like it's, in, cause I thought it was so interesting. Like I didn't know you brought your computer. I didn't know this was your setup. I didn't know you were shooting live to your computer the way you do. Right. And it was fascinating just as a geek to watch you operate and see how you were set up to do this. Like the first thing that struck me, and it shouldn't have because it's kind of obvious in hindsight. But the first thing that struck me is you don't use a tripod, which right. is like, oh, wow. Like, you know, portraiture guys love tripods just by their nature. They love tripods, but no tripod, always handheld. You right. constantly move, which is also interesting. Like you don't have your spot set up so that everything's around me. No, you'll move in, move out, stand over here, stand over there. It's it's. It's really interesting. You're, there's so many ways where everything I know or I've seen, you're just completely unconventional. Is that just is is that just your style? Like, are you just like I don't I don't know how to. It's, I, I know what the question is. It's just not coming right. to me. But I find it interesting the way you operate. Well, I mean, I think I think like part of it has to do with the space that I'm that I'm working in, mm -hmm. um, because you know the the space that that Austin put me in at, at the maker thing it it really forced me to be really pared down. So I, I really, I, instead of having, you know, well, the first year I showed up, I, you know, I had 12 lights and I had a bunch of packs and I had a bunch of, <laughs> like I could have, I could have set up a mini studio in there um, because that's what I'd done at, at the spring make. Um, and so this really forced me to go with, you know, one light, one background and the, you know, you saw the background blowing around because yeah, I can't anchor that background or it becomes a wall that's going to blow over because I can't put enough weight on it. So it just, you know, you just let the paper blow up and then it settles down when the wind stops and then it, 
So it gives you those moments where, you know, it gives me a little bit of a break. It gives me an opportunity to like hang out and just talk with somebody for a little bit um, while the while the wind's kind of settling down. Um, but I don't want to be tied to one place because the light, like I get the lights set up because I know that anything in front of me is going to look with, it's going to have light on it. I don't know how the light's going to work with that person because I don't have my models on. Um, so I'm, there's, I'm actually can't see any light that I'm going to be shooting by as I'm shooting. Um, which is really not how I would normally do it. Mm -hmm. Um, because if I was shooting in an advertisement or, or model or something like that, it would be, I'd want to see, kind of get it all crafted. Um, but in this case, uh, not having a tripod allows me to you know, get a nice tight shot, do a wide shot. If I've got a group, I don't have to move a bunch of stuff. It doesn't slow me down. Um, but in, in another one of the conversations I was having, I was talking to a guy who was saying that he doesn't see visual images in his head. And so... He can he can he can sit, you know read a word, but he can't. He doesn't. His brain doesn't have a picture of that um, item. So, like if it said giraffe, he, he would know what giraffe is, but he wouldn't be able to picture it mentally. Wow. And so, in this, in having that conversation, I was kind of saying that, you know, like if I'm if I'm working in another material other than photography, I'm like working in clay or something like that. I don't really. I don't have a visual picture in my head that I'm looking at. I'm in, I feel it's more my hands. Like my hands know when it feels like what I want it to feel like. Oh, and so it's not in that way. It's not a visual picture either. But when I'm doing the, the portraiture, I know that I know that I'm, I've got light going forward. I don't know how it's going to hit the subject, but I, I'm really just paying attention to the emotion of the person, hopefully. Um, so that if they're having a relaxed moment or a genuine smile or a genuine laugh, then that's when I'm taking the picture and not when it looks good because I don't, I don't know what the light's going to do, but I know that there's going to be an emotion. there, And so Great. that's kind of, that's how I, that's the only reason I think my work is turning out the way it is, is because that's really what I'm focused on. There's emotion in every photo. Like, and what's, what's interesting is that I remember how I felt with every one of the photos you sent me, like, the one that I did, the close up of me sitting there, I remember how I felt like I'm going to look so good in this. I'm going to look, it's going to look good on my profiles. And then the one where Jimmy and I, the one with Jimmy and I, and Jimmy almost made me cry like three seconds before you took the photo. And then yeah. the one where we got photo bombed, which was, I was so glad that that actually made it to the email because we were doing the photo and that I forgot, I don't know that guy's name. He was just cracking everybody up and he just photo bombed our photo. And I took that and I looked at the photo and I instantly had the same reaction seeing him in the photo as I did when I heard him behind yeah. us. You know, it was just every single emotion was instantly back. It was like it was like having an emotional tape recorder with those photos. Yeah. It was it was crazy. You're, you you do manage to capture that moment really, really well, because you can visually it's a visual cue that just instantly triggers the emotion that you had at the moment. Right. I mean, I, that, I mean, that's. I'm, I'm thankful that I'm thankful that people have that experience. I, everyone had that experience. I mean, we all, we, when I, I've told a couple of people that I was chatting with you tonight and like, Oh, that's going to be a great conversation. He's such a great guy. You know, we, we all, your, your photos, as much as we joke about them being everywhere, really are a signature of a, of maker camp as much as anything else that goes on at maker camp. Now, like you're a fixture yeah. there. 
Yeah. You know, if I didn't even know what, if I didn't know what you look like, which I didn't, that's right. how I, but I found you because it's like, oh, the guy with the pictures, there he yeah. is. And it's like, oh, that's Mark. All right, cool. Now I know what Mark looks like. So, right. so now, cause now you, you had mentioned earlier, um, when we were chatting a little bit, um, you, like, what was your impression of Maker Camp before you went? And then how was it, how did it change your expectations of, how was it different from your expectations? So it's, it's interesting because I didn't want to go. I legitimately did not want to go. And because I was just like, I, I'm just going to drive all the way up there for what? What am I going to drive up there for? I've, you know, then you start to get the little bit of peer pressure, peer pressure. And I've given Keith Drennan a lot of crap from the Working Hands podcast, not in a bad way. I legitimately mean that he put peer pressure on me. He wasn't like begging me to come, but it was just like, dude, you just need to come. You're going to enjoy it. Just shut up and come. Shut. Finally, I was just like, fine, I'm going to come. I'll be there. And you start to find out that a lot of your friends that you didn't realize were going to be there are going to be there. So I was kind of like... I kind of just like, screw it. I'll just go. It's one day. Worst case scenario is I'll bump into some people I've not met in person and see some old friends at the same time. That was the worst case scenario. I was like, that's worth a day. Right. Well, I got there and I had a couple of moments where I think I've talked about it on here. I may have talked about it with Jimmy um, where I'm not a famous person. Right. And I always see the like the guys like Jimmy and Bob Claggett and David Picciuto, like those types. And they always talk about how weird it is when you're at an event and somebody comes up to you and introduces himself because they know you, but you don't know them. And yeah, I always right. thought like that'd be a wild experience to have, like, you know, to have someone come up to me and just go, hey, I'm a fan of your I'm a fan of your work or I'm a fan of your podcast. And, um, you know, whatever. I was like, that'd be really cool. And it happened to me while I was there. And it was just like, Oh my God, this is, this is why you had to come here. You had, so you could have that moment, you right. know, you can have that moment. And what ended up happening was I didn't take any of the classes. I didn't take any, I didn't take advantage of any of the educational stuff that was going on. But what I did get to do, I just spent the whole time connecting with people. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm not, I'm not a comfortable person with other people. I'm terrible with other people. I'm just an overcompensating introvert. So like <laughs> when I get around a bunch of people, I can chat with anyone. I really can. I'm, I, it's one of the reasons I can do this show is because I can chat with anyone. But I am really uncomfortable in those situations. But what it did do is it just dragged me kicking and screaming out of my shell and out of my living room to an extent. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the evening, I was just overwhelmed with how happy I was that I went. And I actually, right toward the end of the evening, um, at, right before I left, I told Keith, I was like, man, I owe you a big one for, you know, pressuring me to come because right. it was, it was amazing. Like next year, I'm going to be there all three days. There's no well, doubt. Because, like, if you go one day, you're like, oh, I wish I could stay. And then it's like, you know, it really is such, the yeah. energy is amazing this year. I had to be there. I had to do the small taste this year mm -hmm. like it i don't think i could have handled all three days this year because the emotions okay. were just all over the place yeah, yeah. but knowing what to expect for next time mm -hmm. no brainer all three right. days i'm gonna right. be there i will get a room wherever i have to but it was it's a wild event and i really feel bad for anyone that thinks that they should that they don't need to go i mean if you can't go you can't go there's reasons you people can't make it i understand yeah, but sure. If you don't, if you're as dumb as I was and think you don't need to go, you're wrong. 
that's the bottom line. You're just wrong. Just go. Right. Um, but I, mean, I think I mean, aside from all the great sponsors that they've got, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, because they, I mean, they really do have some of the great sponsors. You know, they've got sure. Brent. Then the Brent guys were hysterical on set. I loved, you know, busting their balls. That was so fun. <laughs> um, and and they sent me a couple of hats. It was very generous of them. Um, you know, and then you've got Lincoln Electric. And you've got Isotunes. Um, you've got Sabretooth. Uh, um, Sabretooth. You've got Avid. Uh, the CNC guys, they cut me a sign that says stand on me. So they cut me this metal plaque that I can put on the ground now so people know where to stand. That's um, great. That was, that was super awesome. Um, you know, and you've just got, you know, like, uh, you know, Broadbeck, like the, you know, I was able to buy that knife from him. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they've got their tent there where they've got, you know, I think uh, Mareko was doing demos on knife making and then they were working on, and, and, you know, I mean, even if you're not doing all that, which, you know, unfortunately, you know, I can't get away from my set because, sure. uh, you know, I want everybody who, who stops by Maker Camp to be able to have the chance to get, get a picture. So um, so that's why I'm usually there as long as I am. Um, but, like, just the – everybody is there, and it's such great energy that even if you're not, you know, doing an active demo, you're at least yeah. hanging around with people that share the same passions you have, you know, have the same – you know, you know, like you said, you're you're an introvert. Maybe you're compensating. Like most people who are makers are working alone in their garage or their yep. you know their basement, or um, and so it really is a you know it's like spring break for makers in some ways for people just to to be around the people that they are comfortable with. I feel like that's one of the one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because a lot of times you know over the last couple of years I've had get a lot of guests. You know, mm-hmm. I people that. People that know this show know how much I love when somebody's never been on another podcast and this is their first one and they get to have that first chat. And I get to I get to have that first chat with them because I get to pull their story out of them a little bit and right. talk about their origin story and what they love doing and why they love doing it. And it's so much fun for me to get that out of people who normally, you know, I guess in kind of a way I do with people on this show, at least some of them, what you do with people when they step in front of your camera. You know, right. you pull the emotion out of them and say, hey, you're the star for a few minutes. Well, I do the same thing. I, mm-hmm. I get I get someone to be a star for 90 minutes, even if it's a small <laughs> star. You're you're right. the most important thing in my life for those 90 minutes. And yeah. I'm going to make you feel important. And then afterwards, I'm going to make you feel important. And hopefully the listeners will jump on board and make you feel important also. And you're going to make a whole bunch of new friends because you took the leap and gave me a chance to be on my show. So it's, it's wild. Like, I guess maybe, you know, I didn't even think of it that way until I was just saying that, but I guess maybe I kind of understand how you operate because I just do something else, but I kind of do the same thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, because I think people, they want to be understood and they want to be, in my case, they want to be seen. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's really important for me when someone takes a look at their picture and they're, um, you know, moved by what, they see what the what I'm able to capture of them yeah. seems familiar to them, and it doesn't seem you know false to them. Which is the other reason why I work the way I do, where I don't really, if I'm asking you to to do something, I'm not asking you to pose. I, I just want you to start. You never asked me to pose. That's that's 100 percent the case. Yes, you and never so, said pose. You just you're just like come over here, look at the camera, and it's funny how that alone makes you more relaxed because it's like I don't have to it's not a formula for how I have to position myself. 
to look right. good in your photos. You're like, nope, just come over here, sit down, look here, because I want you to look. And you even explain, don't want you to look over here because I don't want the glare in your glasses. Like, okay, cool. Turn my head a little bit. Perfect. Don't move. Good. And then it's like, okay, you like that? Yeah. Okay, good. Let's take three more. You know, let's make sure that we right. captured the right moment. It's like, wow, it's just so nice working with you. <laughs> it's, I can. Well, I, mean, I, I, think, I view it like really view it as a collaboration. And, sure. Um, I think that's you know something I want people to understand that it's like I, you know, and I tell people I'm like you know we're a team. We're not. I'm not. I'm not letting you get off the set until you're happy with what you what picture you get. So, um, because you know, if they're not there, I don't have anything to take a picture of. If I'm not there, there's nobody to take a picture. So. It really is teamwork when I, when they're on my set. I felt so funny saying that you were a bucket list a thing for me at Maker Camp. Like one of the things that got me to Maker Camp, like it was seeing my friends, it was getting right. 3D scanned by Dave, and it was getting photographed by you. Like those were the three reasons I came. And as I as I was standing, there, I'm like, I don't believe it. I actually wanted to do this, and I'm doing this. And then it was done. I was like. And it's awesome. Like this was totally, totally everything I'd hoped it was going to be. So, well, I mean, it definitely. When you said it was like a bucket list thing, I was kind of. <laughs> I mean, it, it is kind of weird now that people have it as uh, you know something to do. Um, whereas before, it was like an unexpected thing that happened. Like you know, and <clears throat> not everyone's going to be like Craig and bring a bus full of uh, wardrobe changes. <laughs> But, you know, and I really tried to encourage that this year because I think, like, if I'm there, I want the opportunity to take as many different pictures as as somebody wants because, you know, I'm not going to use all of them, but it gives me the opportunity to, to do different things with them and have different looks and um, so that when I start posting them on my feed, I've got some variety that people can, can keep looking at different things and it's not all the same pose because I really don't want people to end up having the same experience. I want them to have their own experience. So. I think I think you managed to capture things in a way that is exactly along those lines. Um, it's it's an experience. I think that's something I'm looking forward to now already for next year is like the the updated Mark Adams picture <laughs> at Maker Camp next year. So. I, mean, I think you know if you're if you're a maker who's doing a demonstration there, I also try to I set up on that Monday. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes and people don't really know that so. Um, if you're doing a demo, like if you can't get away during Maker Camp, I want the people that are you know, doing those things to also have that opportunity to get their picture taken too. So um, I do try to get there a day early and try and get people if they're set when they're setting up. And then also, you know, the day after everyone's breaking down. So that way everybody who's doing the presentations and part of putting the camp together can get their portrait you know, on, on the same time. So I think, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say, you know, your contributions to us as a community and you're pretty much part of the community now by default. Yeah, um, right. But I feel like your contributions <clears throat> to our community are just massive and tremendously appreciated because your your work is incredible. And being able to have that moment with you is just, it's a priceless experience. I mean, I, I get a little emotional thinking about it, but if it's truth, I'm telling the God's honest truth here. It's the one thing that like, I don't care what I'm doing at Maker Camp, I'm going to be on that line waiting to have that experience again because it was just so good and then this time you'll actually know who i am which is also awesome <laughs> and, uh, and I'll, I'll come to you on the first line <laughs> right, right yeah if you, if you get there early on like thursday then you know definitely stop by and you can get some more relaxed uh, portraits <laughs> as opposed to uh, and you know i mean i think this like some some years it's a little warmer in the evenings and but this year it got really chilly there were a couple of nights where 
Yeah. You know, I was stopping at, you know, six or seven and usually I would try to shoot to like 11 or 12. Um, I think the, the latest night I shot here, I think was, uh, uh, Sunday. I think I shot till one. Um, yeah. I, I left it like quarter after nine. You had a, you still had a line. It was like, there's still people just like lining up for this poor guy. He doesn't get to breathe. Well, cause I was telling, um, I, I, Chris, Chris Tast actually just told this, told the little, little anecdote. He was, he, he was, he had finished with something and he was walking by my set and I was just had like just finished the last people and there were a bunch of people still hanging out over by the fire. And, um, he's, uh, he, he's, he's like, Oh, you're done for the night. And I'm like, cause you guys are fucking quitters. I'm here. I really think, you know, it, it's fun for me to, you know, to, to kind of take that mentality that I'm not going to, I'm never going to be the last person, you know, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to keep going. And it gives me the motivation to kind of keep that energy going throughout the whole event. Oh, it's, it's greatly appreciated. And the fact that you do what you do just out of love of doing it and out of love of, you know, giving back to a community that it's just, it's magnificent and it's greatly appreciated. So I'm glad I, I'm really glad I had the chance to talk to you about it. Um, why don't we move on to um, things of the week? Because your thing of the week is actually um, tangentially related to Maker Camp, which is kind of crazy. Um, you have yep. uh, something you wanted. You sent me a picture of. Yeah. And I'm still looking at like I'm looking at the picture as I'm talking about it, and I'm still stunned by it. It's absolutely gorgeous. So why don't you tell us about your uh, thing of the week? And for those of you that are watching the video version. And that's why you should watch the video version. Yeah. I'm going to actually put the. I'd probably hope to light myself a little bit better, but it got <laughs> dark here so so early. I was like, uh, you know, the light was nice when we started, but then yeah. you know, it's yeah, all good. So. We'll figure it out. But you, um, I'll have the pictures of what he's talking about as he as he introduces it and talks about. It. So why don't you tell us the story of your thing of the week this week? Uh, so I was, you know, walking around Maker Camp, just you know, taking a minute to, to take a break, and I uh, walked over to the Broadbeck. Uh, tent and uh, Ryan was was standing there and he had uh, this knife that he was you know had in his hand and it's got a uh, the handle is I mean something if you haven't seen it and don't know what it is you know you got to check it out online um, and there's two kinds I think there's either jeepite or fordite and they're similar materials yeah. where they come from like the paint boosts of the overspray. Those Mm-hmm. And so then they can make it so it's this layered and multi different colors of layers, and each each one's unique because the way they sprayed that day. Um, and so the he's got the handle, and I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, oh, this is that thing is really a beautiful knife. And um, so you know, I I didn't really I didn't really think about it until like you know then I got a picture of you know he came on set and I was like, oh, let me get a picture of the knife, and so I took a picture of the knife and posted that. Um, and so, uh, you know, I said that, you know, it was really beautiful. And, you know, if you ever decide to sell it, you know, let me know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I thank you. You know, yeah, it's not for sale. And then, um, a couple of days later, he's like, so if it was for sale, <laughs> Ooh, all right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, so he, uh, he sold it to me and I'm, I'm, you know, blessed to have it. It's a beautiful knife. Um, so if, and it's on, uh, if you check, uh, Night Owl Forge, if you check his page, he's got a video or I think he was finished it and was taking it to Blade Show, I think. Um, and so, yeah, so that'll be a, a treasured, uh, treasured knife in, in the collection. That's actually, that's the first maker thing I've purchased. So, um, he's also nice. has that. Person, so, um, 
it's got yeah. the two the two materials that are the most insane. Like it's got Fordite, which I've always thought is one of the coolest things ever. But it's yeah. also the the blade is um, ten eighty four and meteorite. So it's not even just steel; it's part meteorite. Like it's the coolest knife ever, and it's yeah. it's really really cool. It's a beautiful piece. Um, yeah, I'll have the link to. There's a reel that shows a couple shots of it, and then of course oh. Mark took a really cool photo of it. So I'll have some stuff in the show notes that you guys can take a look at because this is definitely worth checking out. Uh, my thing of the week this week is. So for those of you that have been following along, you know that I've been working on upgrading my YouTubing setup so that my videos look and sound a whole lot better. And I've gotten everything sorted out. And one of the ways I got it sorted out was getting a better lav system. So I had the Rode, I don't even remember what it's called. It's not even worth talking about. It's the little square one that everyone talks about and everybody seems to love. And honestly, I was never that happy with it. Um, I just feel like the pickup on it even though it's as small as like what you would find in a professional lab, it just wasn't as good. I didn't think the audio quality was as good. So I started looking for other things and then DJI came out with the DJI mic, which I have in my hand. And this is wild. This thing is, it's two receivers. It's one receiver and two transmitters. Um, It'll broadcast in stereo from one or split mono from two. And what's crazy about this, the case charges the whole thing. They run for 15 hours. The whole setup runs for 15 hours. You'll never use 15 hours. I mean, if you're talking for 15 hours, you've got other problems than what lab you're using. But the the one thing that this does that makes it worth every single cent is that it has what's called a safety track. So as you're talking, you can hit the record button on your lab and it will record a minus six decibel version of the same audio that you're sending to the receiver. And what is that for? Well, if you're anything like me, you'll talk into that thing. You'll record your whole video. You'll sit down at Premiere to edit it. And the first thing you're going to realize is you are clipping like crazy because you talk too loud with the lav too close. Well, guess what? This gives you a second recording. Now, would you want to use it all the time? Probably not. But you at least have it in case something goes catastrophically wrong. It's recording at a lower level than the main audio on the mic. It's a fantastic setup. I think I paid three twenty nine for it, but the first video I did with it, with the quality leap was just, it's massive. It's a fantastic piece of equipment. I've recommended it to other people and I just didn't have it for myself. So now I finally got around to getting it for myself. I would Highly recommend it if you want to up your game. And what's nice about the two labs is if you're two people on camera, one person gets one, one person gets the other. They get recorded on separate tracks. You just split them apart and you can work with two separate recordings in your video app of choice. So are you going to be doing uh, walk around video interviews um, uh, at the next maker camp? I wanted to do it this year, but I just yeah. wasn't, I wasn't going to be there long enough, but next year, next year, I'm absolutely going to be doing that. I'm a hundred percent. That's the plan to, you know, spend a few minutes talking to everybody and do that. It's going to be. And you think that, that lab will work for you? Like that'll be a, a good. Oh, a hundred percent. I have no doubt in my mind. The nice thing is I can, if I can grab someone to just run camera and by run camera, I mean, hold it, stop it and start it. But right. even if I just use a tripod, but if I just throw one of them on them, one of them on me and we can just go, I think it'll work great. Cause I miss, I feel like I missed an opportunity this year to do some content with maker camp. Right. But wow. now that I know what to expect, I'm going to be a lot more comfortable doing stuff like that. Um, For sure. Yeah. In year, so hundred percent recommend the DJI mic. If you've seen my YouTube channel, you've already seen the difference in the quality of video. So, um, 
You can go check that out, which is where you're watching this show, if you're watching it, most likely. Next thing I'd like to do is thank all the people that support this show financially, because this show can't be done if it doesn't make money. <laughs> I say that with a smile on my face, not um, not begging. I do appreciate so much all the financial support this show gets. Um, the support comes from Matthew Serio from Artigiano Serio, Al Schultz from New York Woodworks, Tori Decker from Tori Did It, Ed Swanson of Ed's Clocks and More, Jake Drews from Make With Jake, Megan Chris of Onyx Designs Woodwork, Jeff Stein, a.k.a. A Weird Guy, Kim and Garrett from Kim and Garrett Make It, Rory Langefeld of RLL Woodworks and DIY, Robert J. Keller, um, Rebecca Cole from Bexy Designs, Brian Arsenault of Seven Hills Maker, Lars Coleman of Colorado Multicraft, Dave Bauer of Dave Bauer Art, and Jeremy Spies. If you can't support the show financially, I appreciate any support you can give, which can include everything from sharing the show to writing a review. If you do support the show financially, thank you so much. You get the video version at least a day earlier, or in the case of the past couple of weeks, you may get it two or three days earlier, whenever it's done. And there's going to be other perks for you guys, so you might want to get in on that action as well. But either way, I appreciate whatever you do to help spread this show, and I can't do it without you, so thank you so much for all of that. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Um, you as well. Thank you for having me. I, I was I'm, I was a bit starstruck, and I got over <laughs> it, and I was like, I got to get Mark on, and that's it, yeah. because it's like, if I'm going to talk to people that, you know, include the digital world, the technology world, the maker world, like, I can't think of a better person to have on. And again, thank you so much for what you do for the community. Thank you so much for giving so much of your time back to just, taking pictures of us. Some of us are not terribly attractive and it really is appreciated that you look through a camera lens at us because even the unattractive ones end up looking good when you take a picture of them. So thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, where can people find you? I mean, I know you have, you have Instagram. Is there anywhere else? Um, you have Mark Adams pictures on Instagram. Is there any place else that you want to send people so that they can find you? Uh, I mean, that's that seems to be where most people will find me. I mean, okay. I've also like uh, been encouraging uh, makers to connect with me on uh, LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah, you know, because everybody you know they make in their garage, but they also you know have other careers that they're doing other stuff in, and sure. so it's kind of nice to give a. I, you know, I'm tired of seeing like all the content about you know whatever this computer company is or you know whatever this HR department. I'm like, okay, that's great, but like if you're making and it's part of your personality that i'd like to see a little more of those posts i think so uh, okay. i'm enjoying enjoying some of those um and i try to post the maker portraits on there as well because obviously it's a professional setting so Very that's cool. what i do um and then i think that's really the that's the really the two main places that i've been kind of putting stuff out okay and of course obviously you know as long as he's still standing you can find him at maker camp in yes the, in the pavilion just find the longest line and at the front of it, it's going to be Mark doing his thing. So um, yeah. thanks again. Thanks for joining me. Um, I appreciate it. And yeah, I look forward to getting my picture taken next year. Thank you so much to everyone who listened. I really appreciate you guys. I can't do the show without you. And hopefully I never have to. But in the meantime, I'll be back next week with another guest. And I look forward to talking to you then. Have a good week, everybody. 